Italy has never been in a worse condition. Many buildings and monuments lie in ruins. Rome's population has taken a steep decline. The streets are plague-ridden, hunger is rampant, and thousands of people are left homeless. As a result of political upheaval and loss of population, tax revenue can no longer be depended on to finance the gargantuan costs of Italy's upkeep. Byzantine control of the peninsula is slacking. Heavily damaged by the decades-long Gothic War, a Pyrrhic victory which has left most people in worse positions than before. Had the ends justified the means, the answer has been lost to the waves of history. But it's not over for the long-gone power base of the Roman Empire. Soon, its next big shark, hungry for territory, proud of its past victories, and in search of a new homeland, will come to dominate Italia taking swift advantage of its abysmal state and critical power vacuum. They were the Lombards from Lango and Barba, the men with long beards. In half a decade under their king, Alboin, they will cement a powerful realm that will last undefeated for more than two centuries, fundamentally changing the course of early medieval history in Europe. It is 546. On a quiet riverbank in the former Roman province of Pannonia, a basin nestled between the Alps and the Carpathian Mountains, covering modern-day Austria and Hungary, a 16-year-old boy listens as his townspeople once again tell the tales and lore of his Lombard ancestors. Perhaps he gazed into the fire as he listened to stories of the great King Waco and aspired to outdo his strength and warrior talents. There is not much we know about the childhood of Alboin, the man who brought nearly all of Italy into his dominion. But it seems incontestable that he was a warrior at heart. Paul the Deccan described him as being fitted for wars and energetic in all things. His future is bright, but he doesn't know it yet. The climate is hot here, the land fertile. There are farms and settlements, even fortified towns scattered about, left by the Romans centuries before. But life is not without its hardships. To a certain extent, the Lombard kingdom, which Alboin is heir to, doesn't even belong to its inhabitants. His father, Alduin, had recently returned from the court of the Byzantine emperor Justinian in Constantinople, and they had made a treaty allowing the Lombards to keep control in Pannonia in return for military aid. This agreement would bind the Lombards to serving their Roman overlords in war for many years. Pannonia is suddenly a very quiet place. Many of the best fighting men have left for Italy, conscripted as Foderati in the Byzantine armies, fighting against the Ostrogoths. It was this war, the Gothic War, which would provide the instability alluded to in the intro of this episode that allowed the Lombards to take control in later years once the conflict had ended. The rest of the fit men are embroiled in a fierce frontier clash against the Gepids tribe, settled in Dacia, modern-day Hungary. Intermittent wars against the Gepids kept any economic strength that the Lombards could muster at bay, but as far as our sources indicate, the Lombards generally had the upper hand. A new society is emerging from the remnants of the Western Roman Empire, one of agriculture, kingdoms, and small-scale wars, the foundations for feudalism. Battles are changing. 
Instead of the organized, formidable columns of Roman legionaries marching in standardized formation, the armies of Germanic tribes are smaller, except for major battles, and comprised of local levies. Professional soldiers are few and far between. Fighting is a part-time, often involuntary occupation, which all capable men are subject to, but there is no official military. Fighting generally dissolves into a disorganized rabble halfway through a battle. Armor, of which chainmail coats and studded leather is the most common, is a rare sight. In 552, Audouin, the father of Albuin, confronted the Gepid king, Thurisund, at the Battle of Asfeld. On the battlefield, Albuin showed remarkable courage and ferocity in the attack. Now a man, he yielded impressive strength and was very competent when commanding men and repelling odd attacks from Gepid soldiers. At some point in the battle, Albuin slays the Gepid prince Turismund. This probably caused immense anger among the Gepid royal family and people. These wars were periodic. Tensions between the Lombards and Gepids were never ending, but peace was manageable. However, the Lombards wanted to teach the Gepids an unforgettable lesson. And soon their time would come, but who would strike first? 567. The new Gepid king, Cunamund, still bitter at the defeats of his tribe more than a decade before, wants payback. Now that Alduin is dead, Alduin is king of the Lombards, and a fierce one at that. It is now that his strength will be tested. Cunamund breaks his peace treaty with the Lombards and declares war, raising a large army and setting out for battle. When the Gepid messengers discover that the Lombards have already secured a strategy alliance with the Hunic Avars, who maintained master cavalry units, Cunamund gives his men one very simple command. Kill the Lombards first, deal with the Avars later. Unfortunately for the Gepids, it was not to be. In the heat of the battle, with both armies clashing with great ferocity, Cunamund was decapitated. The Gepids suffer a destructive defeat, being reduced to a disorganized, weakened, and humiliated state. Their lands are swiftly captured by the Avars. Albuin, now the leader of an emboldened, determined kingdom, took the head of Cunamund and, it is said, he turned it into a drinking goblet to boast of at his royal feasts. As if to rub salt into the wound, he kidnapped the daughter of the dead king, Rosamund, and makes her his wife, forcing her to drink from the rotting head of her father. 565. Albuin is now in his stride. With his biggest threat eliminated, he turns his eyes to Italia, from where he receives an enticing invitation from the Roman general Narses. Reading the letter in his royal residence at Pannonia, he begins to formulate his plan. He knows exactly what he must do, and time is running out for Italy. 